In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. I keep telling everyone, we'll keep going as long as there's at least one other person here with me in the midst of all this. And there's more than one other person with me, thank God, but each and every one of you matter to me. And I'm really thankful to God to be here with you this morning. Um, I guess I want to start with, especially partially because we're recording the homily so that, you know, there's like two thirds of our people who aren't here today. So I'm hoping I can just get it sent out to them uh, this afternoon. And I, I do want to acknowledge the effects of the current um, pandemic and just acknowledge the fact that it is affecting our community. Uh, there are many statements being made around the globe um, from Orthodox bishops and Orthodox leaders. And some of them are saying things as extreme as don't go to church at all. Some of them are saying we have to go to church. Some of them are saying like we are kind of balanced. It's like we're going to keep serving the services. But if you're ill or susceptible to illness and you have any concerns, don't feel bad about staying home and playing it safe. So I want to give a combination of encouragement to everyone to be faithful, to ardently and fervently pray, to continue celebrating the services of the church as much as we can, to draw near to the holy mysteries, but also to observe the precautions and to be humble. We want to be humble and not to underestimate the reality of what's really of what's going on. I wasn't that serious about it four days ago. And then I talked to a couple medical professionals who are who are actually in it. And they acknowledged that that it is a serious concern, even though it doesn't affect everyone seriously. It, those whom it does affect um, seriously can those who it affects can have their lives threatened very seriously. So, um, so anyway, we want to humbly acknowledge that while we also continue, it's times like these, especially that we, we prove what we're here for all along. I was thinking last night, should we do some special prayers? Should we do extra? And I thought, you know what? We are always praying for the world. We keep doing what we're always doing. We're always interceding on behalf of the world. Also, though, when things get weird, we tend to relax ourselves a little bit. We tend to shift our mindset sometimes. And I want to say that when things get weird and a little crazy, that's not a justification, per se, for relaxing the fast or for praying less. Things are crazy, so I'm not going to, oh, I just, I'm going to eat whatever I can. No, actually, it's times like these when the power of fasting is proven and the power of prayer is required of us to continue to take that seriously because our prayer and our fasting is not just personally therapeutic. It strengthens us as intercessors for the world that we live in. So that's my little intro that I wanted to give everyone about the current state of things. Have you read the story, The Way of, the Way of a Pilgrim? It's a Russian classic. And 
I want to tell you just a little bit about it, just to, to make one little point, and then I'll come back to it a little bit later. But it's a story about a Russian peasant. You may remember some of the particulars. He had a withered hand, so that he, he couldn't work very much. He lived a very simple life. He was married, and, he's, and he and his wife prayed often together. They prayed, they did prostrations. They did the Akathist hymn to the Theotokos together. And by God's providence, for some reason, his wife was taken away from him at a relatively young age. And he was sad, but also wondering, what does this mean? And during this time, he heard the most read, he heard and read the most blessed words of St. Paul that we love so much in the Orthodox tradition. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Do you know what it is? Pray without ceasing. It's a verse that has three words. Pray without ceasing. And he thought, what does that mean? Pray without ceasing. I have to find out. I want that. So he set out to listen to the great preachers of his day. And he said, I heard about praying without ceasing, but I never learned how to pray without ceasing. Oh, they had beautiful, eloquent words, but what can I, how can I do it? Finally, he found a monastic elder who said, here's how you do it. The simple repetition of these words, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. A beautiful distillation of the gospel teaching and the longing of our soul. Pray it repeatedly. And he, he gave him a discipline to practice. And eventually he trained his mind and his heart so that the prayer was going on all the time. And he journeyed in his way, trusting in God's providence. And the story is him kind of wending his way throughout Russia as he became a pilgrim. Uh, visiting people, encountering different uh, trials and people. And it's a lovely story. I highly recommend reading it. It's a, it reads like a tale, but it's also very instructive. And uh, it's a good Lenten read as well. The Way of a Pilgrim. And then there's an additional section called A, a Pilgrim Continues His Way, I think. There are different translations out there, but we have some in the bookstore downstairs if you want to get a copy. Okay, that's to get you kind of in the mindset. Now, today in the Orthodox Church, we find ourselves second Sunday of the season of Great Lent. And I want to congratulate everyone who's been taking the season seriously, who's been seeking purification and prayer, who's been trying to draw near to God, if there are any of you who have not yet begun to really enter in to the profound season the Great Lent is, hesitate no longer. It's not too late. Maybe you've neglected prayer. I haven't prayed enough. Then pray a little bit more. Commit to praying morning and evening without compromise. I'm going to do it. Father James used to say, you wouldn't leave the house naked, unclothed, would you? Don't leave the house spiritually naked. 
Clothe yourself with prayer in the morning. Perhaps you've ignored the prescriptions of the fast or been a little too lenient with yourself, like I probably have. Now's the time to consider what it is that gives life and ask oneself, do I really need this before we take another thing into our body? Will it benefit me? Now's the time to discover the freedom of simplicity and to shut down the ever-demanding appetites that always pester us. This is a beautiful season of crucifying the regrets of the past, sending them to the cross, the cross of our Savior once and for all, and proceeding as those whose aim it is to live without excuse anymore. We don't have to live with excuse or regret. But it requires serious attention and watchfulness. <clears throat> Seeking guidance and wisdom, exploring the scriptures, and hearing the teachings of the church. On this Sunday, who is it that we remember? Anyone? What's the theme of this Sunday, second Sunday of Great Lent? I know you know, so don't even go there. St. Gregory, Palamas, who, who was, where was he? Anyone know? Huh? Thessalonica, yeah, and, and he was a? He was a bishop. He was a bishop, yeah. St. Gregory Palamas, Archbishop of Thessalonica, who lived in the 14th century, so the 1300s, the 14th century. And we consider the commemoration of St. Gregory kind of playfully, we call it somewhat new in the Orthodox Church because it was not introduced until the 16th century. Now the church being a couple thousand years old, that's on this side of the timeline. So we call him a relatively new commemoration. I heard one commentator mention that this Sunday should hold the Feast of the Transfiguration, which took place a few weeks before, before the crucifixion and resurrection, but the church has celebrated the Feast of Transfiguration on August 6th while giving this Sunday to St. Gregory. And in this we find a subtle mystery. In place of the feast in which we celebrate the revelation of God as uncreated light, the Transfiguration, we celebrate a theologian who was known for expounding upon the reality of God's self-revelation as uncreated light. Call him because he loved the Feast of Transfiguration. We could call him on Mount Tabor, we could call him a Taborian theologian, St. Gregory, the, uh, Gregory Palamas. He's known for his prowess as a preacher of grace, someone who ardently spoke from the experience of prayer, teaching that knowledge of God comes not just by intellectual or rational inquiry and only by means of created things, but by the knowledge of God that comes from the very experience of Him. Encounter with the incomprehensible God by way of entry into the mystery of God in prayer. By way of asceticism, self-deprivation, purification, 
one becomes receptive to the grace of God. And His grace is His very energy, His uncreated energy. We call grace the uncreated energy of God. And this is how the church has understood and interpreted the light revealed on Mount Tabor at the Transfiguration. The three disciples, Peter, James, and John were there. The Lord didn't actually transform in front of them, but their eyes were open to see Him as He truly is. St. Gregory understood this. He was a mystical and a hesychastic theologian. He loved silence. The word hesychasm means silence. Hesychia is the word for silence. Hesychasm is the practice of silence. And a hesychast is someone who practices silence. Fancy words. Someone who articulated our theology is paradoxical. One of my favorite quotes from St. Gregory is that God is not only beyond knowing, but he's also beyond unknowing. God is not only beyond knowing, but he's also beyond unknowing. And he was a practitioner of the Jesus prayer. And a teacher of it to everyone. And this leads me back to the story that we opened with. This, this uh, simple pilgrim in the story was a regular guy. He was a, um, a layman. So I want to say that constancy of prayer is a possibility for all who would seek it. And you don't have to be a wandering pilgrim either. But I really believe that constancy of prayer is something that at least can be cultivated in everyone who would seek it. For all who desire to experience constant remembrance of God. One way we develop this is by enjoying the use of the prayer rope. You see the prayer rope, a lot of us have, have them around. It's not just a bracelet or a necklace or a car decoration, but it's a tool that we use to help us focus on, focus our body. It's a psychosomatic tool, you could say, to help unite our mind and body in prayer. It gives us something to focus on when we practice the Jesus prayer. I tell people, if you're getting distracted when you're saying the Jesus prayer, put yourself into the knot of the rope. We say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, and then progress to the next knot. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, and continue with the next knot. As you go, feeling the prayer, experiencing, entering into it. It's not necessary to have a prayer rope to pray, but it's helpful. Two sayings from the, Saint, uh, excuse me, the life of St. Anthony came to mind when I was thinking about this. On the one hand, I do think that prayer is possible, unceasing prayer is possible. But on the other hand, I don't think we need to pretend to be like monastics. We're not, we're not called to be pseudo-monastics. So a couple beautiful quotations from the life of St. Anthony. St. Anthony prayed one day, Lord, I want to be saved, but these thoughts don't leave me alone. What shall I do in my affliction? How can I be saved? And if you've tried to pray with any serious attentiveness, you know that your thoughts bug you. You get distracted. What do I do with those? Well, you keep praying to begin with. But what do I do in my affliction? How can I be saved? 
There's no way I can keep praying if I'm constantly distracted. A short while afterward, when he got up to go out, he had a vision. Anthony saw a man like himself sitting at his work, getting up from his work to pray, sitting down and plaiting a rope, then getting up again to pray. It was an angel of the Lord sent to correct and reassure him. He heard the angel say to him, do this and you will be saved. And at these words, Anthony was filled with joy and courage. And it says, and he did this and he was saved. Sounds nice, doesn't it? We see this in this saying that salvation in the midst of affliction does not come by way of extremism. I just, if I can't focus on my prayer, I just have to pray harder. I have to try, you know. But it does come by way of consistency and constancy. The Lord taught St. Anthony to find himself moving back and forth between labor, meaningful activity, and prayer. Focused attention upon God. Both activities are necessary and good. We treat them like they're two different realms, but remember, we only have one life. That's why I'm not always a huge fan of the term the spiritual life, because I think it's just life. We just have life, not spiritual life and secular life. All of life is spiritual life. All of life is physical life. All of life is psychological life. It's all bound up. Both activities, work and prayer, are good. And work and prayer find their meaning in a kind of a blessed circularity, a flow, one flowing to and from the other, so that ultimately life is lived in a kind of constant purposefulness and intentional remembrance of God. Another short one from St. Anthony. These are in the sayings of the Desert Fathers. It was revealed to Abba Anthony in the desert that there was one who was his equal in the city. He was a doctor by profession, and whatever he had beyond his needs, he gave to the poor. This was St. Anthony's equal. Lived in the city. Whatever he had beyond his needs, he gave to the poor. And every day he sang the sanctus with the angels, holy, holy, holy with the angels. He worked and he prayed. We see in this saying something extremely humbling. St. Anthony living like an angel in the desert, having an equal in the city. How could it be? Well, holiness is not only achieved by those who flee the world to live a life of prayer. But for some, and for many, holiness is achieved by working and living charitably, letting love be our rule giving generously to others, taking what we need, and worshiping God. And while seeking constant remembrance of God, neither are we attempting to be pseudo-monastics. As I said, we worship. We don't want to be, we're not being, we're already weird enough. Like we don't need, as Orthodox, you know what I mean? We don't need to be any more weird with that. It's, an it's an option. It's an option. But you know what? Sometimes we can use that as a facade too. And we have to be careful. Now, that's not to judge anyone who is a little more, you know, modest than, than you or I or something like that or 
who has an even longer beard than I do or anything like that. But we, we worship God. So it's important to remember this. We worship the God who is everywhere present. But we're unset, incessantly forgetful of that and we're distracted. So during this season, most especially, we're being prompted to return to that original calling to hear the voice of the one who walked with our first parents in the cool of the day. To become more familiar with the voice of our shepherd. More familiar with the voice of our shepherd than we are with the peddlers all around us who are constantly vying for our attention. And one simple way of doing this is to occupy ourselves with the disciplined practice of the Jesus prayer. To use the Jesus prayer. And it begins kind of like this. First of all, we set out to identify what it steals our attention away from awareness of God, and we try to, to remove it. Even sometimes permanently, we need to just cut some things out, sometimes temporarily, like put the phone in airplane mode, you know, because we get all these notifications all the time. Next, along with frequent reading of Holy Scripture, and the reading of Holy Scripture warms the heart. It warms the heart and it prepares you for prayer. Allow yourself to fill time in your day with the quiet repetition of this beautiful, simple, God-inspired prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. This distillation of the gospel at home for a few minutes while in traffic. Turn off the radio. I like to call it making your experiment with God. Make a little experiment with God. I turn off the radio and just say the Jesus prayer. I even do it at the expense of modesty. I even do it with my children out loud sometimes. Say the Jesus prayer out loud for a little while. While we're driving somewhere or in their bedroom at the end of the day. You can use it following a difficult conversation to help reorient yourself. A few times before speaking when you're angry while holding your child who's throwing a fit. Especially in situations of frustration, though, remember not to use prayer in, in vain either. Like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. You know, but really, it's like, okay, I need, to, I need this prayer. I need to use this prayer. I need to let it settle. And the, the idea is that it starts with the, the lips the mouth and the tongue. It goes into the mind and then it descends into the heart. And it becomes a part of your rhythm of life. I was talking to someone about this, about how we can pray attentively and kind of pray without ceasing. And what we do is we cultivate an awareness of God. And I said it becomes like the context for life. Prayer becomes the context for life. It's not like life is the context within which you pray, but prayer becomes the context of life. And she, she said something beautiful. She said, oh, it becomes something like your autonomic system. Prayer is just happens. It becomes, by act of the will, it becomes eventually more natural. And even the fathers call it self-activating prayer because the heart really longs for constant Connection and prayerful awareness of God. It doesn't mean you're always mouthing prayers out loud, you know. And then eventually, 
rather than seeing spare moments as opportunities to insert prayer, you'll come to realize that prayer becomes that context for life. And as such, you'll even be drawn, I think, to set specific times aside for this type of prayer. I mean, what, is, what else is worth doing? You're, it's never a waste of time to pause and to pray. And then work and prayer and some rest, of course, join together in perfect union. The two go together so beautifully, work and prayer, that the two were united in the ancient monastic rule of St. Benedict. Have you ever heard the term ora et labora? Work and prayer, or prayer and work, actually, ora et labora. When we set out to achieve constant remembrance of God, which is achievable, then we'll gradually find that the activities of life become opportunities for creativity. Work, work, which we normally dread, becomes an exercise, or we use it as escape. Work becomes an exercise in serving other people or seeking to accomplish our tasks with the utmost of integrity. It becomes a part of your spiritual life. Working does. Disciplining a child becomes an opportunity for godlikeness, becomes an opportunity for creative communication and compassion rather than rage and frustration. Hospitality becomes an effort in entertaining angels. And interactions with others become holy moments when we seek to live this way. And it all begins with the rearrangement of our desires, which is what we're being taught during this beautiful season of Great Lent. One of my favorite sobering phrases is that tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may never come, so please let's not save repentance and prayer for tomorrow. As if God will be there when I need him. The lover of mankind has provided our means of holiness. He's inspired us with the teaching that not only will he come to the conclusion of his existence and presence, but that we can know him intimately, being ourselves transfigured by his energy, his grace. I want to leave you with a... So I'm telling you generally to use the Jesus prayer and be attentive to God, but I want to give you a challenge, an experiment to do this week. If you don't do something like this already, some of you may, but if you don't, at least once this week, At least once, set 30 minutes aside. 30 minutes, put your phone in airplane mode, set a timer for 30 minutes. 30 minutes to give God your undivided attention. No distraction, no reading. Seek to gently practice the repetition of this Jesus prayer. If you've never really practiced it in a disciplined manner, then you start by quietly saying it out loud. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. 
Lord, you might find yourself getting a little quieter as it enters into your mind. But that's so don't worry about that. Continue saying it out loud as long as you need to. You can use the prayer rope. You can use the prayer rope to help keep you focused. And thoughts will come to distract you. That's okay. Just keep going. Just return to the prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And mean it. We're talking to our Lord and Savior. We're not piling up prayers. We're not counting milestones. We're, it's a simple repetition of the same words. Every time you say it, it's like the first time you're saying it. It's not like, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Boop, 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 boop. It's like you're just kind of repeating that same beautiful phrase. Set an alarm for 30 minutes. Remain in one place. No distractions. Repeat these words. If you don't have a prayer rope, tell me. I'll give you one. I carry a lot with me. I have like a hundred in my bag with me. So if you need one, I'll give you one. And I guarantee that the experience will be priceless. It might be a little frustrating because your mind will go in different ways, but I bet at the end of that 30 minutes, you'll want want to try it again. So don't wait until Friday or Saturday to try to cram it in. Do it early in the week because you might want to do it again. Try Monday or Tuesday. Make some time. You might want to do it again on Thursday or Friday. You might want to integrate that into your rhythm of life, setting time aside to just be with the Lord and say that simple prayer. A contemporary elder of the church gives us this beautiful thought. Compel yourselves. Compel yourselves. Say the prayer. Say the prayer. Stop idle talk. Close your mouths to criticism. Place doors and locks against unnecessary words. Time passes and does not come back. And woe to us if time goes by without spiritual profit. It profits us nothing to gain the whole world or even a little portion of it and lose our soul. So let's unceasingly draw near to God and organize our lives in this blessed interplay between work and prayer. And we'll come to find each beat of our heart forming a syllable, leading us to constant prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Amen.